I'm Bill. I'm T-Dog. And this is Two Films, Two, two, films, two, curious, two curious, where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. Absolutely. Now, this is also a special one. Again, this is our, our, this is our second in a row or third in a row. Second in a row, I think. Two Films, Three Curious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because we didn't do one in November. We did the Halloween one in November. It doesn't matter. We've had a Two Films, Three Curious. It's a Two Films, Three Curious. I, I'm, I'm Three Curious. It. This is this is you've you've heard him before a long time ago. This is uh, two far, films far in a galaxy far far away. That's one of my similarities. This is two films, three curious alum, the other Bill, the dad. Yes, <laughs> we've had him on before to talk about Jesus, and now we have him on to talk about the Jesus of literature, William Shakespeare. Hooray! <laughs> so one of the things that uh, I think that I said once in passing a long time ago and then forgot about until just now uh, is that uh, in January, the month before our podcast is going to turn its next year over, we thought, oh, we will continue to revisit old themes in the new theme. So the theme for this year has been one animated and one live action movie. Mm-hmm. And our previous themes have been things like adaptations. So these are both adaptations of Hamlet, these movies that we've watched. And the ones that we watched were The Lion King, the animated one from 1994, and Strange Brew, the only one that exists. And both so movies... got that good, good double. That double. And they're both about Hamlet. So there we go. Now, how many of us have read Hamlet or watched Hamlet? So here's the I thing. I have not. Here's the thing. I, um, in preparing for this... I realized that I was actually pretty comfortable with the two films, but um, Curiosity, see what I did there, uh-huh. made me realize that I had absolutely no concept of Hamlet, so I had to go find out about Hamlet, because the fact that Wikipedia, you know, mm-hmm. um, says that they are loosely based on Hamlet didn't actually tell me much, and so I had to go figure out what the deal was. <laughs> well, there you go. I read Hamlet, I think, in the 12th grade. And I watched the Kenneth Branagh one on Robin Williams' birthday, his 69th birthday, which is only relevant because Robin Williams is in the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet. And I was like, oh, hey, he's in it. Conversely, Mm -hmm. I've never read Hamlet, and I owned the movie for several years, but never actually watched it. You know how I know you never watched it? (laughs) Because you owned it most of the time, and it was my copy. When I got your copy, I put it in the DVD player, and the second disc skips. (laughs) Ah. But that's okay, because it only skips at, like, a very important part. So, you know, I only got an ad for, like, an hour, and then I was okay again. Was that the part where Hamlet gives the girl a donut so that he can find out? Yeah. No, it was the part where Hamlet gets stuck in the beer vat, and they have to they have to get him out. And he burps oh. the, the front off of it. Yeah. What he did in two minutes would have taken them four hours. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about Strange Brew and Lion King. Since we're already on this subject, Dad, why don't you summarize uh, Strange Brew for us? Okay, so there's a couple of ways you can do this, but it really comes down to two guys make a really low-budget rip-off science fiction film. They go to the opening of the film. It turns out that the film goes, it gets ruined in the process of being shown. They decide what the heck. The film's already ruined, and so they make it even worse. 
And as they're running away, they suddenly fall into the storyline of Hamlet, but never really realize it. And um, the rest of the film is pretty much a really odd retelling of the Hamlet story. <laughs> um, with with some self-referential in the sense that characters are named properly and places are named properly, mm-hmm. but nobody ever sort of breaks the fourth wall to let you know that anybody is aware that it's Hamlet. Right. <laughs> and um, so there you go. Intriguing enough, I mean, we'll we'll get to this later, but it's it's interesting to find out how they sort of got to that point in terms of the physical making of the film. But... Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's Hamlet within a farce within a farce, and I think that's probably why I like it because it's just plain goofy. There we go. So sorry, it's not much of a summary, but <laughs> my understanding, based on what I wound up reading on on Wikipedia today, tells me that if you know the story of Hamlet and you decide to rewrite it so that Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are idiots instead of spies Mm -hmm. if you streamline the storyline and decide to have a happy ending then from 10 minutes into the film to the rest of the movie that's what you got there you go oh and an intermission I don't think they had an intermission in the real Hamlet Uh, I think they do in the Kenneth Branagh one because it's four hours long but right I, if not, you you kind of design your own intermission because on DVD and on VHS you have to switch either the disc or the tape. Okay. Now, there is also the bit about beer in Strange Brew. Oh, I thought you meant Lion King. I was trying to figure out where that fit in. Uh, yes. <laughs> they drink a lot of beer in the Lion King. They do drink a lot of beer in Strange Brew, or at least, sorry. As I was making notes, I realized that... Um, there are elements of the Strange Brew storyline that really have no solid connection to the Hamlet storyline. And whether that's Brewmeister Smith, oddly enough, um, really doesn't fit into the the Hamlet storyline. But then larger from that is the fact that Brewmeister Smith has, in fact, developed a mind-altering beer that will allow him to take over the world. Not because he wants to run the world, but because he knows that's a great way to have a solid market for his beer. Um, <laughs> I and... will say that as yes. I was watching it again today, I thought about the fact that isn't it like all throughout Hamlet there's this like constant fear of being at war with another nation. And they're like, we need to get our all of our shit together because the other nation is coming to fight us. And if we don't have a strong central government, they're going to win. Maybe Brewmeister Smith is the uh, the looming threat, and that's why his army is there too of uh, the the people from the mental institution. Okay, um, yeah, I I have to say that was a know. story element that I was previously unaware of. Other than <laughs> for some reason I knew, like when I'm reading the story, I thought, oh, I know these guys' names. So I was just stupid, not completely uneducated. Um, but I'm reading this thinking, oh, huh, fair enough. But no, 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 no. I think they, um, I think it's really important to understand that if you, 
if you want this particular film to be anything more than certifiably loosely based on Hamlet, you're going to be solidly disappointed. <laughs> but if you like loosely based on Hamlet, simply because loosely based on I Am Legend crapped out five minutes into the movie, <laughs> then you're you're probably looking for the wrong film. So anyhow, yeah. Uh, I, yes, there is that element. There's that, that business of he's he's turned the beer into a mind-altering thing, which technically is the motivation for the larger Hamlet tie-in of the brother who's now in charge and married and in charge of the brewery, and that is facilitating Brewmeister Smith's ability to turn out this mind-altering beer that is going to control the world. But, um, yeah, the more you think about it, the more you kind of find yourself wondering, all right, so I understand, and again, I know we'll chat about it later, but I understand this was a very intentional decision to go with Hamlet. What is even more intriguing is when they decided to do different, what the heck were they thinking? <laughs> what, where, where did mind-altering beer to take over the world come into play so (laughs) so that that is uh that's strange rude do you have anything to add tyler uh no not really that's pretty much it if you get a chance you should watch it i think last i saw it was it was it ever on netflix i feel like i saw it once on netflix anyways if you're listening to the podcast now and you haven't watched it yet you should probably finish the podcast first and then go watch it no just watch brother bear Oh, that's true. I think it was. Anyways, for those of you who haven't seen Lion King, and there's no judgment oh. here, you may not have seen The Lion King. Lion King goes like this. Mufasa, King of the Lions, James Earl Jones, uh, and his wife, Sar- <laughs> Sarabi, I looked it up because I have a thing to share later on, uh, have a kid, and that kid is named Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And so Jonathan Taylor right. Thomas is like, I'm going to be the king of everything. And Scar uh, is like, I'm your uncle, and y'all are the worst because why is he called Scar? Uh, because he's got a car. Oh, his car is what he drives <laughs> places. No, he's got a big scar on his face. That's why they call him Scar. That's why they call Mufasa Mufasa because he's got a Mufasa on his face. <laughs> Anyways, uh. Simba's like, I'm going to be the king of everything. And Scar's like, I don't like that. And so he kills Mufasa and blames it on Simba. He's like, whoa, Simba, I can't believe you got your dad to be dead. That's messed up. You should probably run away from ever, forever. And so he runs away and then grows up with a bunch of slackers uh, named Timon and Pumbaa. And they're like, you shouldn't do anything. You should just hang out with us and eat bugs. And then Nala, his Ophelia, shows up and is like, hey, everybody was trying to find you and we thought you were dead. He's like, I'm not dead. I'm just deciding to not do anything ever again. And she's like, okay, well, that's stupid because you're the king and we are now all the sorry people and we need your help. (laughs) And so he's like, I don't know about that. And then they fall in love, and then uh, Rafiki, the monkey, is like, hey, your dad's not dead. And he's like, what? And he's like, he lives inside of you. And he's like, okay, well, that was kind of fucked up. And he's like, but also, <laughs> he's in the nice. sky. <laughs> and so you can see him, and he, he talks to the ghost of his dad, and he's like, hey, champ, 
shape up. And he's like, bet. And so he goes back home and he kicks Scar's ass and he's like, Scar, I'm not going to kill you. And he was like, well, that was stupid. And then Scar tries to fight him. And then Simba's like, oh, yoink. And Scar falls off the cliff and the hyenas eat him because if you're going to be a bad guy, you really need to pay your employees because your employees are probably also mm-hmm. bad people and they're not going to be like, oh, you know what? You're forgiven when it turns out they haven't eaten in months and then they eat you. And then he's good. Pride Rock goes back and it's all nice and stuff. And there is no beer. But it is also basically Hamlet. I think the wildebeests are the same as the army that is impending. Uh, and starvation is the same as the um, the uh, the brewery and the, the drugged beer. So there we go. Those aren't similarities. Those are just ideas I had. Yeah. All right. So, do you guys have There's anything more to add about the There are, but not. There are not none songs in <laughs> uh, Strange True. Brew. There's two. There's the Strange Brew song, right? And then they sing at uh, Oktoberfest. They do. They do. There's significantly less. Um, past date chocolate milk and rush bumper stickers in um, the Lion King. That's true. But <laughs> again, not none. What are you going to do? Scar's car a good, has a rush bumper sticker. That's a true. good lead into the fun facts. Tell us the fun I'm, facts. I have one about that rush bumper sticker. So <clears throat> let's see. Let's do, do the strange fruit ones first. So these first two are both uh, about one line in the movie when they're in the hockey rink. And Dave says, I am your father, Luke. Given to the dark side of the force, you knob. Rick Moranis replies with, he saw Jedi 17 times, eh? He was actually speaking to Angus McInnes, who plays gold leader in Star Wars. That ties into one of my similarities. I'm saving it for True later. Story. I didn't know that one until today. I feel really embarrassed about that. I, I didn't, didn't know that I until knew today. That they had said Jedi because technically, rumor has it that they filmed it before the title was officially decided. And so they decided Jedi because it was the only continuity that they knew about going into the movie. That is that the next fun fact. <laughs> oh, sorry. I totally just scooped you. Sorry, man. That's okay. But yeah, they... Because uh, Return of the Jedi opened in 83, in May of 83, production was wrapped up five months earlier during Strange Roots, so December 1982, despite the film taking place in 84. That's why they, uh, they didn't know if it was going to be Revenge or Return of the Jedi yet, so they have to just say Jedi. There um, you go. The word eh, yeah, eh, is spoken 174 times in the movie. <laughs> Someone counted. Beauty. Um, <clears throat> of course, everyone knows Mel Blanc did the voice of Barney Rubble in the Flintstones, and Rick Moranis played him in the live-action Flintstones, and they star in this film together. They do. So we got both Barney Rubbles. Uh, and then there are two uh, Rush references. We have the bumper sticker on the van and a reference to the Rush song Lakeside Park when they do the driving directions right after the van's brake lines go out. Or after they're cut. Well, and I go. learned that 
part of what greenlighted the film was the success of the album, and it's the Great White North album that Geddy Lee is is guesting on. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they do have a long history with Rush that way. We didn't I think we even saw once? This is totally off the top of my head. I think he went. Geddy Lee and Rick Moranis went to school together. Uh, I think that you would might not be right, or at me. least went to the same school. Which means right. that he and I mean, because he and Alex Lifeson went to the same school, starting in middle school too. Right. Mm-hmm. I read that Max von Sydow, who is an acting god, right? Um, Criterion the, Collection actor Max von Sydow, absolutely. Uh, somehow got a hold his script. The script got sent to him, and rather than run it past. An incredible source in terms of professionalism. <laughs> he ran it by his son, who was a huge fan of the McKenzie brothers, and the and they said, "Oh, the kid said, yeah, you got to do it." And so they basically wrote the part for him because he was committed because his son said, "You got to do it." I love it when something there like that go. happens. <laughs> like in Lord of the Rings, uh, Viggo Mortensen hadn't read him, and then when he got the call, they wanted to cast him. Talked to his son. His son was like. Dad, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> I like when it's the the son or daughter that... They get it. Yeah, right. They're like, no, Dad or Mommy, you need to do that. <laughs> right. So fun facts about The Lion King. Frank Welker, I assume is a sound design guy, Provided all the lion roars, not a single recording of an actual lion was used because the producers wanted specific sounding roars for each lion. Huh. So they wanted everyone to sound unique. Um, this is evidently the best-selling home video of all time. 55 million copies sold to date. Wow. Can't say wow. that surprises me. Um, <clears throat> the Wildebe Stampede took Disney's CG department about three years to animate. Uh, they had to write a new computer program so that they could, so that the CG World of Beast Stampede would not run into each other, basically. So they had to give it like a week, like a, like coding so that the individual World of Beasts wouldn't run into each other. Oh, neat. Um, we have, besides the inspirations from Hamlet. The story is also has elements of the Osirian family myths of ancient Egypt mythology. In the Osirian myths, and I think we're about to find out that Shakespeare just ripped off of these, <laughs> uh, the king, Mufasa slash Osiris, is killed by his jealous brother, Scar slash Seth, and the rightful heir, Simba slash Horus, is sent into exile as a boy. The murdered king visits and mentors his son in go- as a ghost, and when the heir comes of age, he returns to exact his revenge on his father's murderer. So really, maybe they're both versions of ancient Egypt mythology, both these films. And I had read something similar that there was an original sort of pre-Hamlet story about two really stupid guys in a big van. (laughs) I kind of thought that maybe where Wikipedia was pushing the limits of credibility. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Shakespeare went and saw Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but it was like an off-off London Broadway version back in the 1500s, and they had like a van as part of the play, and he was like, right, but what if we focused on that guy instead? And that's why they made Hamlet. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. It's also understood he was a Rush fan and totally pissed that it took as long as it did for them to get into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Right. Well, especially but since they gave him fair, one of their best he lines. died like 400 years ago. So, you know, <laughs> there's only so much you can do. Right. Odd that his and... wife is still alive. Anne oh, Hathaway. Really? Yeah. And Anne Hathaway. And uh, is it her mom or something, too? Right? Jane Seymour? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Anyhow. Um, one last uh, fun fact for Lion King is that in at around 25 minutes, in the scene where Mufasa explains to Simba that these stars are old kings, you can actually see the Leo constellation in the sky. Oh, neat. That's the really Lion. cool. That is really cool. Before we get into similarities and facts. differences, I want to say that I really appreciate the fun facts part of this uh, podcast. Uh, I really, yes. I think that it's, uh, I know that we used to do for the, for those of you long time listeners, we used to do like the define the word of the day thing and that was okay. But I really like the fun facts part. I also mm-hmm. want to just sort of shout out that I appreciate that T-Dog found real facts as opposed to me who's just, you know, blowing smoke. But, <laughs> um, I found that very interesting, especially the whole Leo constellation thing. So. Yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah. I knew some facts of the um, Strange Brew ones because I, I looked. I was curious about what some of the Strange Brew fun facts would be, and so I looked at IMDb while I was watching it. So that's on me. Oh, well, I have a few <laughs> when we get to that point, but um, yeah. I also wanted to say, uh, before I forget, to thank you to our uh, patrons on Patreon. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, co-tagonist Nick, who has been our longtime Patreon patron, as well as two films for Curious Alum, Chris, and two films for Creos alum, Brenda, who is also the sponsor of Why Do You Do MCU, which we promise to get back to. Please don't think that we've forgotten about it. You will hear more of that very soon, probably next mm-hmm. month. Additionally, this is a special shout-out uh, to a, a new adjacent fan. Uh, up until this point, we have been laboring under the assumption that either T-Dog or myself knew relatively personally pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast. So we don't have a lot of listeners on this podcast, but shout out to co-tagonist Isaac, who listens to our podcast and messaged somebody who messaged somebody who told me in person (laughs) that they liked this podcast. And thank you, of course, for saying that your favorite person on this podcast is me. And that your favorite episode is the Star Wars Lord of the Rings one. Wait, they I'm said their, their said favorite that. person was me? Did they know I was going to be on today? Yeah. No, they said it was That's me. So cool. Right, me. Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. That's me. Thanks. That's huge. I apologize. Yeah, thanks. I apologize for putting words in your mouth, Isaac, but thank you for listening to our podcast. Expect yeah. a sticker soon. If you want a sticker, then you should message someone to message someone <laughs> to message my wife to tell us to be on here. Two films for Curious Alum, Devin. And then we will get you a sticker. If you don't have a sticker yet, that's the way to get one. If you do have a sticker, you don't need two. That's the exact same sticker. <laughs> if you've lost your sticker, please make sure you send us a proof of purchase and we will replace your sticker for the cost of shipping and handling. Send a self-addressed stamped envelope. Hey, Tyler, what's your address? What's my address? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't send a self-addressed so, stamp. I don't know. <laughs> if you lost your sticker, that's uh-huh. on you. You should have taken it off your phone case when you got the new phone case. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
That's true. Oh, I should put the sticker on it. No, I know what I want to do with my phone case. Anyways, that's unrelated. Let's talk about similarities and differences. I'm going to start with this similarity. Both movies have people from a Star War. And in fact, because we have Max von Sydow, uh, wait, hold on. No, we only have the we only have the original and sequel trilogies represented across these two movies. Because James Earl Jones... No, he is. He says no at the end of Star Wars 3. So we have all three trilogies represented as well. So there you go. Nice. That's a pretty fun fact. And the similarity between both movies. Well, the obvious similarity is what we're going to talk about. That they're both hand Right. That they both have a lion at the beginning, but the one at the beginning of Strange Fruit is drunk and they have to wind him up. Both lions struggle with their roar because true. Simo- uh, Simba is, is working on his roar. And right. so and is. the one in Strange Fruit just burps. There you go. He's working on his roar too. And then he gets it right and they were like, oh no, not now. Just like when Simba gets it right and then the wildebeests come and kill his dad. Right. Yep. And that lion killed. Dave Thomas in real life. No, I'm just kidding. Dave oh, Thomas is still no, alive. I, I, yeah, he's like an animation god now, as I understand it. Is he? Oh. Yeah. Huh. At least, you know, to be fair, that's what Wikipedia tells me. No, that's not true. <laughs> IMDb told me that one, which I consider slightly less authentic, but authenticatable. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, can I throw in with a couple of things that I discovered that I don't know if are, they're not really similarities, but I guess they are kind of trivia i don't know go for it it's yeah, my understanding definitely. that the success of the great white north album and the relative you know established characters of the second city television concept of the mckinsey brothers is what greenlit the film but according to what i discovered on my scholarly deep dive via wikipedia um that when it came up that they were going to do a film one of the guys on SCTV took him aside and said, you're under contract here and I will sue you if you write a script. And so they got an external guy to do it, but Dave Thomas specifically said, let's go with Hamlet. And then the guy turned out a script that was too close to Hamlet and they didn't like that, (laughs) which, I mean, I guess, you know, didn't like it. I don't know what that necessarily means, but that explains why you have things like uncle Claude and Gertrude and Elsinore and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they had to go in and do rewrites, but Rick Moranis didn't, he was apparently a little uncomfortable because they were both not really sure how far they could get away with without violating contracts and getting sued. Yeah. Uh, and that that the rewrites largely took them down the, the, the opening. So the whole science fiction-y opening was never supposed to be part of the film. That's what they rewrote... <laughs> And then, you know, obviously threw other stuff in. Yeah. Um, and that to whatever extent anybody consciously thought Bob and Doug would be Rosencrantz and Gilderstern, um, it's interesting that they are the drivers of the narrative. But then that made me think, so are Timon and Pumbaa. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, characters who I had only really ever heard of by the name Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead, which I don't even know what that's about other than I know what it's about. Um it's interesting that in both of these adaptations, uh, those two individuals are actually very strong in, deri- in in presenting the narrative. And in fact, the 
spoiler that I learned about who those two guys are an actual ripoff. I don't know, whatever you want to call Shakespeare's stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, these characters are significantly different. Yeah. Also, to be fair, I find it very interesting that according to, again, Wikipedia, the font of all knowledge, um, Strange Brew is called loosely based on Hamlet, but The Lion King is called influenced by biblical stories of Joseph and Moses and William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Huh. But to be fair... There are more identifiable connections between Strange Fruit and Hamlet in terms of names and locations, whereas it's just the sort of core story element yeah. that is the tie-in between Lion King and Hamlet. Mm-hmm. So, When you were my... saying about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the characters in Hamlet being different than their counterparts in this, I did think about it this time how in The Lion King, although it's a really soft-pitch version of this, the Tapone and Pumbaa are at least trying to convince Hamlet not to go, not to do what he's supposed to. And in Hamlet, they try, they, they, uh, his uncle brings Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in to be like, no, you need to convince Hamlet to go away. Like, get right. him out of mm-hmm. here. And so fair, at least as... in that, they're a little, they're at least both trying. But then, yeah, in right. Lion King, they're like, no, we'll help you get your house back. And he's like, okay. Right. Right. Whereas Bob and Doug are just awkward human beings. Right. And the closest they get to thwarting this is accidentally driving them into the lake because they didn't know that they were in the back of their right. car. <laughs> to be fair, though, it is interesting to think that Strange Brew flips genders. And so yeah. Pam is Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that means that Rosie is Ophelia. Which makes sense because Ophelia is also crazy and Rosie had a mental breakdown just like Doug did when Bob was born. Right, right. But did <laughs> did Ophelia ever have a hat trick? No, but she did die. Yeah, but Rosie didn't. Oh, no, he didn't die. But they thought he did. It's like nobody can stay underwater that long. Not, no, not Houdini, true. but nobody. And you know where <laughs> Ophelia died? In the lake. She drowned just like Rosie. She did try. Did she have? Did she have a, a card though? She didn't, but she did drive a motorcycle. Oh, fair enough. So there you go. I forgot that. <laughs> and she had a hockey mask, as I recall. Although you only know that, like, if you actually see the play in person. People and she had one of the talk about. She had one of the more modern ones with the the wire netting. She didn't have that that plastic one like Mighty Ducks. The cartoon, oh. not the live action. Right. It is interesting to think that. Um, you know how the original Hamlet would be different if at some point one, you know, Rosencrantz or Guildenstern said to the other, "We wouldn't have to jumpstart you like this if you'd stuck to your eleven-point <laughs> maintenance program." Um, but I'm assuming that that just didn't come up when Shakespeare was thinking about writing. So, yeah, I think think not. <laughs> but it is interesting because um, I had never really thought much about the other aspects of the lion king and to realize that where strange Bruce seems very oddly committed to playing up the at least some of the hamlet narrative the lion king seems less committed to the details of hamlet and more committed to the concept of the sort of core element um, and then allowing that to flow into other things like joseph and moses and yeah even down to Scar's marrying 
Simba's mom. That's in the Lion King. That's now he just sort of inherits the pride, and therefore right. he gets the mom. Um, so there's some very different elements. That, I mean, you still have the ghost and the advisor yeah. and, and that kind of stuff, but Lion King seems to be keeping it as part of a larger influence where strange brew is solidly committed to, to playing this out as far as they can, well, even down that, to the Canadian scum. It has to be the, the main difference between strange brew being obviously a comedy and Lion King being more of a dramatic piece that Lion King right. wants the story. They want the dramatic beats that are Hamlet. Whereas strange brew wants the ability to say, Oh no, we did Hamlet. Ours had beer and a <laughs> right. giant dog that could fly like Superman. Right. Right. There's this sense that Rick Moranis and, and Dave Thomas are sitting around the table saying, you know how we were required to do Canadian culture in our show and we pulled this stunt? Let's screw up Hamlet too. <laughs> Here's a difference. Lion King had two sequels and a remake. Strange Brew had a story planned out for a sequel that was never made and had an animated TV show that, as far as I know, only ever got one episode. Right. Shakespeare had, yeah. Shakespeare had Hamlet the prequel where there was like... No, I can't even come <laughs> up with that. That's just Wasn't there a movie, absurd. Hamlet 2, like a comedy movie where this guy ended up teaching drama at a high school and he did Hamlet 2 and Jesus yeah. is in it with a gun or something? I'm going to go with that sounds reasonable, and I think I avoided that, which says a lot because I love Strange Brew. <laughs> so I can take a tremendous amount where Hamlet is concerned. Tyler, do you have any similarities or differences? What do, do we know what any of the story was for that sequel? Oh, what yes. The planned sequel? So the planned was sequel was that Dan Aykroyd was going to try and convince Bob and Doug McKenzie to become home brewers. It was going to be called Homebrew was the sequel and he was going oh. to he was like this like get rich quick guy that was it seemed almost multi-level oh. marketing-y wanting to get <laughs> Bob and Doug to get into home brewing. Home brewing. Okay. It was going to it was set to come out in the 90s and then something happened and they ended up not making it. And then we saw that the DVD of Strange Brew has the has the first episode of the animated show. And it looked like fun, but I don't think they ever actually made it. If they did, it did not do well. Well, and the characters sort of were a bit transcendent in the sense that they are the narrators to Brother Bear, um, which is interesting. I mean, not only do you have the reality that like every two guys that got to do a radio show for 20 years just decided to do Bob and Doug. Yeah. But... But bringing the two in as the moose, whatever, you know, story runners yeah. in Brother Bear was a really novel thing. And I guess, too, I'm sitting here thinking, so what was up with uh, Insane Asylum and all of the crazy? But <laughs> it just occurs to me now that insanity is actually a large theme, or at least faked insanity is a large theme in the real Hamlet. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And so maybe that's maybe that's because apparently Dave <laughs> Thomas has a background in English literature. So I, oh, okay. I can't even imagine what was going through his head as he's like, let's just let's just ruin this. Um, <laughs> you know, he, what he but, could have been thinking was, man, I had to read this play and it's not my favorite Shakespeare, because that's kind of what me and two films three curious alum Devin were thinking as we were sitting here at the table. 
eating our amazing pot roast that one of us made and it was really great uh thinking wow hamlet is not my favorite shakespeare what is your favorite othello i like othello i i read othello in second grade that's not true i read othello in english too 11th grade that 10th grade that's how we call that the second english class anyways i read othello and i thought wow this is really neat that man just ruined his whole life just real quick like that this is a really interesting play <laughs> uh and i feel like between that and chinua achebe's things fall apart english too was a really intense year for me realizing a lot of things about the world were not nearly as great as i thought they were it was very impactful yeah. My my favorite is uh, Macbeth. No spoilers. I still haven't seen Macbeth. I don't know anything about Macbeth. I know that there's three witches in it, and Mrs. Macbeth, I think, tries to kill somebody. And I'm very excited for the Coen Brothers one to be my first one. Are they the one? Do they share an eyeball, which is very unsanitary? <laughs> oh, or am I, yes. Am I merging, they, they am are, I merging stories? They are. They are like the fates. Just like yes. I mean, the one I'm thinking about with the eyeballs is Hercules. Yeah. Oh right. Yep. <laughs> but it's a still it's a, very unsanitary. But clearly, I get the wrong story. So classic trope. But the Hercules is not a retelling of Macbeth. Good to know. It'd be a very different no, movie. And Iago is in Othello. No, the one. What's the the one? Aladdin. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> But that's not technically Othello, really. It's more of Aladdin, isn't it? Right. But right. I forgot Scar's name for a hot minute when I, a little bit earlier, and I kept wanting to say <laughs> Jafar. So there you go. Oh. Okay. Lion King 2 is not called The Return of Jafar. No. To be fair, what? do you think he was named Scar when he was born? Yeah, I wonder what Maybe. his first name was. Maybe it was Jafar. I mean, not like his first name, which is Scar, but his you know <laughs> initial name, I guess. Well, Maybe it was Jafar. Maybe it was Jafar. Maybe it was it, Hank. Apparently, this is one of I read this from fact, but it wasn't one of them. That the reason Scar looks like totally different from Mufasa or Simba is because the original plan was not to have him be related. He was just going to be like a user. Huh. Interesting. Because it would does have put look a very different. In the Hamlet, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it would have made Moses more understandable. Because <laughs> he's not. Is not. Moses was played by Jeremy Irons. Yeah, no. Oh, Wait, did cool. you say it was a, it was based on the story of Moses? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because yeah. Moses's brother think... is not really his brother. That's what we learned in uh, mm-hmm. Prince of Egypt. His brother isn't. He's not. He's not. He's not the Prince of Egypt. He's Moses. Right, but there's the whole Aaron Moses thing, right? Who's Aaron Moses? No, no, no. That's Amos Moses. No, Aaron and Moses. Oh, Aaron. No. Moses right. has a sister, and Aaron is his sister's wife. Isn't that how it goes? I don't know. One of us went to know. seminary. I got Wikipedia here. Let's just find this out. I can't believe Aaron... I went to seminary. Yeah, I was going to say, one of us spent, not only did they spend two years learning this, they spent three years teaching it. Okay. Oh, here's the problem. <laughs> Apparently, Aaron runs a rent to own furniture business <laughs> no over here <laughs> siblings moses and miriam for aaron so right. yeah yeah there we go for all of my friends who were in <laughs> seminary with me please just understand that i'm here to talk about 
Strange Brew. Well, let's be real. None of them, none of them are listening to the podcast. Mom, mom oh, is listening wait, to the whoa, podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa! His grandchild? Uh huh. Phineas. Is it named Jafar? No, Phineas, the guy with the the platypus. Oh, Phineas and Ferb, not Phineas and, and Billy. Phineas has a brother named Phineas? Ferb. Yeah. There we go. Wait, they're they're only related by marriage. Check I watched that show. Phineas and the... Ferb had a Star Wars episode, and uh, Rosie LaRose, Mufasa, and Brewmaster Smith were all in Star Wars. That's full circle. Thank you guys for listening. We're we good. <laughs> we done it. No, I'm kidding. That's not that's not it. That's not the thing yet. So, anyhow, um, yes. Apparently, Aaron uh, would in fact be Moses' brother, and. Uh, I can't believe I, I, anyhow, so there you go. <laughs> it's Old Testament Where, where did this start? Oh, anyhow, so yes, my thought was these are sibling stories. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At least as far as, as uh, Lion King is concerned, that you've got the Joseph sibling story, get rid of Joseph so the brothers don't have to put yeah. up with him, and the Moses, um, I'll defer to my brother on that story, whereas that does not come up. Really, outside of the fact that Paul Dooley is just an amazing human being and should have gotten an Oscar, if not for this, at least for, for breaking, breaking away. away. Yeah. So, what was I? I was thinking about oh the <laughs> when uh, Pam is upset that nobody's upset that her dad has died, and her mom says the Colonel is dead, yet here we are still eating his chicken. Is a line <laughs> See, that gets me every time. It is, and the. The interesting thing is, as I was, you know, educating myself about something I should have learned the better part of 50 years ago, um, <laughs> that part of the storyline of Hamlet is that Claude and Gertrude are very frustrated that that Hamlet continues to mourn his father's death and they right. want him to get over it. And um, so, you know, spoiler, if they had tried the um, Colonel analogy at it wouldn't have worked because well, no. it clearly didn't, you know, 400 years later in Strange Brew. He, well, so. and he, he wasn't dead at that time in, in Hamlet times. He hadn't died yet. True. True. Foreshadowing there. Alive and that. kicking. Right. In much the same way that Rush hadn't actually been elected to the Rock and Roll Hall, Rock of, Fame and Hall of Fame yet. yet. Exactly. So there you go. Uh, what was I going to say? About I had an I had an idea I had a thought about that and I can't remember what it is now. What were we talking about? about... Uh, we were talking about whether or not Aaron was trying to rent to own washers and dryers to Pride Rock was rent to own Pride Rock. What's that? <laughs> Pride Rock was rent to own. No, I can't. I, that was yes, it was. Gonna... So it's it's interesting that um that the core story of Hamlet is this idea of the usurper brother and that there's a sort of a, a ghost figure and that as long as you include those, that kind of gets you the title Hamlet-esque. Yeah. Um, but I did find, too, as I was re- working through this, the idea that it, it's intriguing to me that in addition to the reality that people continue to make these stories because... They're incredible stories, whether it's the Shakespeare stories or or other cultural historic stories. 
it's also interesting that people use them as some the core narrative in some other storyline and the, the conscious thought of saying today we will add two-thirds of hamlet to whatever it is that we're doing so that way and i don't even know why you know what the the this so that way is yeah. um, and so yeah. up is a wonderful story but a lot of the drama especially in the second half is driven by um Connor Doyle's Professor Challenger. That's actually the bad guy. Mm-hmm. In uh, yeah, and then um, one of those times when I just decided to blow my own mind was the realization of how much the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek is Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Um, but these are not remakes by any. You know, they clearly have another point to them, uh, but they're using this core classic as an opportunity to sort of flesh out what it is that they're doing or provide some other element to their story while they're still working on their main point. You're right. I think that it's interesting when you can tell, at the very least, you can tell what stories that people like if they're, like when they make the movie, that this is clearly a story that influenced them, that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So it's neat to know. It's cool to see those connections even when they're obvious like this in Hamlet. Yeah, because this is not to... this is not in any way um, either of them, not, not Lion King, not Strange Brew, neither of them said, come watch our version of Hamlet. Right. Yeah. And it's in a, fact... A classic retelling. <laughs> I didn't know that Strange Brew was Hamlet until well after I had read Hamlet. I it took me longer I think to realize that Strange Brew was Hamlet than it did for me to realize that Tommy Boy is Hamlet. Wait, Tommy Boy's Hamlet? Yeah, because his dad dies of a heart attack at the beginning of the movie and his stepmom was already married actually when she married his dad, but she's set to inherit the whole company unless Tommy can uh reclaim his position as a top salesman. And so he has to go and uh, get the company back and win everybody over. And then uh, does, uh, does Rob Lowe die at the end of Tommy boy? No, I think he just goes to jail for fraud or something because Tommy boy is Hamlet. Right. I, I guess again, one of those odd sort of things where there's this sense that, we have a story to tell. Eh, let's just pull the core narrative from, you know, fill in the blank. Right. We need a framework. We have a lot of great jokes and great actors. Let's just steal a framework. <laughs> the framework, you don't need that. Someone else can build that. And then you just pack it in with all your good jokes, all your good actors. You're like, you know what I want to do? I want to put Chris Farley in a movie. What's in the public domain? Hamlet. Oh Let's yeah, take well, that. That's nice too. The whole public domain part. I wanna, I wanna put Tim Curry in a Muppet movie. What's in the public domain? Ah, Treasure Island. Boom. We'll take that. Fun fact. Very unrelated, except for related to the concept of the public domain. There's a whole chunk 
of Dr. McNinja that was written specifically because the artist wanted to, or the, the inker wanted to be able to uh, do zombies, and Dracula was in the public domain. So they did this whole three-story arc about Dracula and the undead just because he was like, oh, Dracula is in the public domain. Let's tell a Dracula story. <laughs> Very cool. Any more similarities and differences, anybody? So I, I found one interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So Lion King, obviously the interesting aspect where uh, the betrayal is only on the part of the uncle, not on the part of the mom. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also Lion King is, is unique that um, the death of the father happens after the story starts. True. In Hamlet and, in Hamlet yeah. and Strange Brew, the father is already dead. It's the start uh, of it. Oh. And, and the the fact that it's a murder is revealed right. as process of the story. But we start the story where the, the father's already dead. Whereas in The Lion King, that is not the case. I didn't think about that. No. I was going to say that I had forgotten about this, and I even took notes on it twice because I took notes on it on my phone, but my phone was plugged into the wall far away, and so I retook the notes on my computer it's obvious that some of these people have one-to-one analogs. Mufasa is Mr. Elsinore. Uh, Nala is Rosie LaRose. Simba is Pam Elsinore, that sort of a thing. But I feel like the less obvious connections include the fact that Rafiki is Henry, the guy that runs the brewery. Oh, yeah. Zazu yeah, or is Zazu. the secretary. Zazu's the secretary. Oh, see, because it's my understanding, who's the guy? Horatio. Horatio oh, yes. is the advisor and friend. So is Rafiki or Zazu Horatio? But clearly Henry is Horatio. Yes. And the secretary because Henry just has is the friends with Pam. Correct. Oh, and another interesting thing, sort of as a, oh, by the way, um, there is an active police presence in Strange Brew that's not present in the other ones. So the idea that. There's some sort of repercussion. Now, I know that the police presence winds up arresting Bob and Doug initially, but the fact that this murder is sitting out there as something that the police will follow up on, as opposed to the Shakespeare handling it by, I don't know, spoiler, everybody dying, um, <laughs> is it's interesting that that's a component, that um, there's really no analogous representation in either of the other stories that some sort of external law forces it at work. Yeah. Except for I'm still pretty sure that there's another army coming. Fortinbras, that's him. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no, I'm I got the that's thing right him. here. There's it's interesting He's that, the other. That He's the other guy. Also there's there's no uh alas poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. Yeah, there yeah. isn't in either of them, is there? I guess the closest we have is when uh, Zazu is singing I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts and Scar is holding a skull, poking his eyes through it to sing the song, too. I think that's the closest we've got. Um, I think that is kind of referential. And then the analog in Strange Brew is when they're walking through the hallway and Paul Dooley absolutely does not have a photographic memory. Correct. And he's like, uh, Bonaparte? He's like, oh, Napoleon, actually. He did not know right, Horatio. The, if you had asked him, do you know Horatio? He was like, no. <laughs> or so not the York. Whole, he didn't know York. Well, Ophelia is definitely in all of those stories that 
the larger sense of Ophelia's family and their participation in the sellout uh, is not present in either of the stories. There's this other contributing factor. And then on top of that, I learned that there was the, let's bring in the players to play out the murder. Therefore, we can see whether or not my uncle did the murder by his reaction. That, we just don't even go down those roads in no. either of the other storylines. Mm -hmm. They're much more streamlined, stick to the core narrative, uncle bad, dad good, dad's a ghost, dad helps, yeah, kind of thing. Some of the finer points have been missed. Yes. All right. Questions. Anybody have any questions to ask about either of these movies or things related to these movies? Uh, I have one. Go for it. So, I mean, I guess this answer may just be what the same as like, what's your favorite Shakespeare story? But what Shakespeare retelling would you like as an animated children's movie? Because Hamlet is obviously not very, not that it's like obscene, but it's not exactly right. child friendly. Yeah. In the same way that, but they're like, oh, let's make it cute lions in order to kind of retell it for a, a new, a different audience. So I guess my question is, what what else do you think could do it like that? Which Shakespeare story could be retold, could be translated for children as an animated film? I want all the Henrys and Richards to be made into an animated film, because I think that's the only way I'm going to be able to sit through them all. I want to see them all. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do it. I saw that there's a version you can get where it was all on the BBC, and it's like 20 hours long, and it's all of them back to back to back. I'm not going to sit through that. <laughs> so give me an animated version of that, and I'll probably be set. Uh, Jack and I... Jack Is Jack a Patreon? No, he doesn't listen to the yeah. podcast unless mom calls him in, so it's fun to make fun of him on here. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Jack and I were discussing the other day about how there are these classics that um, over time have developed acceptable alternatives, and um, the one being the idea that although The Christmas Carol ends with Bob Cratchit coming in and then finding out that Scrooge bought all the stuff. Yeah. It's very acceptable to have the alternative where Scrooge goes to their house on Christmas and has dinner with them. Yeah. Either one. And is, that there, yeah. Right. And that there are enough retellings of Romeo and Juliet where they don't die. Yeah. They just have a really bad situation, but everything works out. Um, that that seems to also be an acceptable variant. Uh, and so it would be interesting because it, certainly with his tragedies, you really have no business slapping a general audience rating on most of his tragedies. Uh, yeah. But there are there seemingly are acceptable variants that could be introduced, or at least core narratives that could be stuck to that would allow you to to tell that story. Uh, well, it's like uh, Ten Things I Hate About You being a really much more reasonable version of Taming of the Shrew. You could probably do a... You could probably do a reasonable animated version of that that wasn't 
what sometimes Taming of the Shrew is. You could do that well, one. Well, and to be fair, Atomic Shakespeare is brilliant. Good and they had, Colin, they had Colin Meany. Cole Meany, sorry. Cole Meany. Yeah. So, you know. But, no, I think you can get away with some of those storylines. But you, as you read them, you, you're sort of reflecting on what the core narrative is, what it's attempting to do, and looking for mm-hmm. acceptable variants, which clearly, even over the last century to have sort of crept their way in and we now are like uh, do they do they have to have a 14 year old commit suicide no let's try something else yeah. and you could do like a, a a bit where she says oh a happy dagger but then it's one of those retractable blades and she's like ah oh, damn yeah. it and then they're like no don't do it don't kill yourself and she's like oh okay i wouldn't kill myself for a boy anyways there you go right right or they should do like, she sits down with somebody who who walks her through the realities of love and context and, and gives her some sense of direction. And then she goes off and makes better choices. There mm-hmm. you go. One time I was chatting with two films for curious alum, Devin, and I was asking about what is a, a scene from a movie that's going to stay with you forever. And she said something about a scene from Titus Andronicus. And uh, I'd love to see that made into an animated kids movie because I don't know how they would do it. When one of the least <laughs> offensive lines is it in it is a I had sex with your mom reference that the person says to the villain. That's that's like that's like the least <laughs> offensive thing that happens in that play. The lady who plucks her own eyes out and's got branches for hands because she they cut her hands off and tied branches to them. I don't know how you're going to do that in a kids movie. <laughs> But I'd be interested to see. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, I think I think you could probably work that into some sort of alternative bionic narrative about application of technology to help us through things. I don't know. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> no, I th- I think that clearly he's writing for what, what a do different you era. See as an animated. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, my answer is the same. I'd, I'd Macbeth. Yeah. It would be challenging, but... I mean, it's always challenging when, like, the protagonist of the story is a villain. Yeah. Wait, he's the villain? You'll see. Okay. <laughs> see, I was going to go look up to see what adaptations villain, there are. Villainistic. Villain-adjacent. <laughs> Valacent. Yeah. Is Valacent a thing? I'm coining it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the only thing I know about Macbeth also is that it's the superstition that you're not allowed to say Macbeth when you're actually at a, a theater place. They don't oh, like that. Yeah. That's why they say break break a leg and don't say Macbeth. And you're like, oh, I won't say break, it. Break, break a Macbeth. Break the Beth. <laughs> I think we're where Shakespeare would be most functional for for a kid's thing is getting into more of the emotions associated with them. Mm-hmm. So the loneliness or the sense of yeah. abandonment or whatever. Uh, but recognizing that sometimes the extremes of the stage don't translate well to other situations. An interesting aside, that's why um, the stage version of Little Shop of Horrors and the film version have, have such radically different endings. Because 
they tell me that at the um, the film preview for for um, Little Shop, people were just devastated. But that's of course because on a stage play, they all come back out and take a bow, and so no yeah. matter who died, they're all alive. Right. But in a film, yeah. dead is dead. And so I I do think that at some level you have to acknowledge that that a stage play and actors that you can interact with after the play is done is very different than watching you know the Care Bears take their own lives. (laughs) Ultimately, that connection is part of the reason I think that I had such a struggle reading Hamlet in school because I'm like I don't care about any of this. Hamlet's just being whiny nobody's doing anything right and then when you watch lion king you're like man simba this is a bummer or even the kenneth Branagh one there you can have a person put emotion into it as opposed to your just your regular readings and mine aren't that great and so it's not as interesting but yeah that mm-hmm. connection could help could help right. a lot certainly film has proven over the last what 50 years or so that you can translate those stories to just about any setting or time frame yeah that's why we've done we did a lot we've done a lot of Shakespeare out here already because we did we did the obvious ones with Romeo Romeo and Juliet the Bos Lerman one which the language is the same but it's visually updated we did the Joss Whedon Much Ado get out of here Joss Whedon you're the worst so there's a lot that we've done about Shakespeare in all these different time periods what else did we do we did another one didn't we I thought we did two something else Shakespeare I'm looking Pretty at the sure thing now and I can't remember Miracle on 34th Street that was a good Shakespeare Oh, you remember the Shakespeare one where it was the sequel to the Shakespeare play with the robots and the and the aliens, Shakespeare's Pacific Rim Uprising? I think that was the other Shakespeare we did. <laughs> that was the Hamlet prequel, wasn't it? That's what it is. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Well, sorry. To be fair, there was some thought that Bob and Doug were going to get to be one of those robot guys. That's so, true. I think we've done another full circle. Full circle. That's it. We can tap out. <laughs> we're done. All right, so uh, I had two questions. Uh, the first one was, mm-hmm. "What's your what's your earliest memory in the theater?" Because mine is mm-hmm. Lion King. I don't remember going to the theater before Lion King, but I remember that two films through Curious Alum, the other Bill checked me out of kindergarten or maybe preschool to go see Lion True King story. at the theater at the mall. True story. And that was the last mm-hmm. time I saw Lion King until today. No, I'm just kidding. I've seen it before since then. <laughs> I'm right. certain I went to dozens of films beforehand, but Star Wars is my earliest, I can say for a fact, memory of a theater. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I don't know. I I remember watching Lion King a lot, but I don't remember it in theaters. I mean, the first thing I think of is, and it's like I've been nine years old, is Fellowship of the Ring. I do yeah. distinctly remember seeing that in the theater. I remember seeing that in the theater. That was awesome in the theater. Yeah. I remember that trip. But for some reason, it seems like that's the, that's the first <laughs> and only one that comes to mind. Well, I'm sure it was very impactful for you, the very huge Lord of the oh, Rings yes. fan that of you course. are. So that makes sense. That tracks. Lion King, maybe not my favorite Disney movie. However, movies are my favorite movies. And so it makes sense that that would be the one I would remember. Plus, huge Elton John fan, so there we go. Uh, let's see. Oh, the other question is this. When was the last time, or what's the most recent 
stupid movie you've seen because uh, we've talked before on this show. This is not actually a question I'm asking. It's just a really bad segue into the fact that, generally speaking, of the really dumb movies I've seen in my life, Two Films, Three Curious alum, Bill has shown them to me, and I know that you, T-Dog, have seen Stranger before. And this is a really perfect time to talk about the fact that Two Films, Three Curious alum, Bill, the other Bill, has seen for the first time Austin Powers recently. True story. Uh, What did you think of that? What did you think of those movies? Uh, great soundtrack. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. enjoyable the first time, oddly less compelling the second time. <laughs> and knock knock, who's there? Shh, is really beautiful. <laughs> so, I feel like the third one isn't as good. I do remember seeing. I think I've only seen the third one once. Uh, but the third one does have the great scene where, uh, spoilers. Uh, Dr. Evil and Scott reconcile. And so... Oh, that's sweet. And he says something about, like, I need a moment. Everybody, please leave. And then he says, uh, not you, Frau. Not you, this person. Not you, man holding wrench. Not you, person <laughs> steering the boat. And he just keeps saying everybody else in the room except for Minnie-Me. <laughs> and then Minnie-Me has to get up and leave because he's the only person that he didn't say stay in the room. And then, nice. Then that—that's when they become estranged. But I was—I like that's one of the best gags in an Austin Powers movie, and it came in the third one. My favorite gag is, of course, the whole Burt Backrat place. Is he in the third one too? I, I don't know. Let's see. Because I love the his his song stylings in the first two, and of course Elvis Costello. So that's one. Yeah, but. Let's see, television and film appearances. He is in Goldmember. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight television and film appearances, three of which are Austin Powers movies. Interesting. All right. <laughs> two of which are Marlene Dietrich uh, concert videos on TV. Two TV shows and then analyze this. Not a lot of film and TV appearances for Burt Bacharach, but there you right. go. Almost half of them. Are our Austin Powers movies. Anyways, anybody else have anything else they want to say about uh, Lion King or uh, Strange Brew? So I guess I'll throw one in, uh, question-wise. What, for you, when does it cross a line when a classic story like this is used in a film? As far as, you know, do we go, are we okay with the core element only? Can we change certain things that are acceptable to change? Can we experiment? Does I'm, it not matter to you? What, what do you think? Once upon a time, a while ago, back when we still did Friday Movie Questions, somebody, I can't remember when it first came up, but Tyler said about uh, Princess Bride that he knows that everybody knows the cultural importance of this movie. So anybody who thought they could do chain, make something sufficiently different for people to be interested in it he'd be interested in what they'd have to say similarly speaking if there's ever a time that a person wants to take one of these existing stories out there and thinks that they can do something to tell the story in a different way or to view the story in a different lens or even make the story slightly accessible in a different way i'm open to it so everywhere from the Cohen brothers doing their black and white, or I guess it's just Joel Cohen doing his black and white Macbeth. That's probably going to be really 
similar to the play to this, to Tommy Boy, to any of them. I'm open to it because uh, if it moves and it's on the TV, I'm going to watch it no matter what. Mm-hmm. I've watched so many t-dark? sports I don't care about because they were on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of like what he just said. If I think that adaptations should always be different each time. I think that, I mean, because you can always just go back to the other one. That's always felt like if, you know, oh, the movie sucked, but the book's still there. It's still good. You can still go enjoy it any time you want to. Exactly. So I, I like when things decide to change it up like that. Just like I, I, I always kind of look Dune forward movies. to the, the changes. Yeah. Those are very different movies. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Two films for Curious. I love the other Bill. So I, I'm always intrigued by that sort of novel twist. Uh, but I can find myself uh, participating in a discussion as to whether or not a variant moved away from the core story or not is it better that romeo and juliet die or is it better that romeo and juliet live is it is an interesting discussion yeah Um, Mm -hmm. but sitting down and thinking to yourself i know i'll let rosencrantz and gilderstern tell the story and i'll make them idiots is a really novel approach (laughs) to the story uh and and it gives you there's certainly less to discuss there it's not like you sit down and think how did you feel about that but I do think that when a key element of a story is changed, especially in a way that then sort of sets the standard for a new potentially acceptable variant, that it's worth discussing what that variant does to the core story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm here for that. Well, that was Lion King and Strange Brew. For those of you who haven't seen Lion King, you could go onto Disney Plus or mm-hmm. literally uh, any uh, place that sells DVDs, and I'm sure find a copy. If you'd like to watch Stranger, you're probably going to have to rent it from Amazon. Not sure that it's in a lot of other places, but it's also hey, hilarious. I've got a voodoo. Got you a do. Voodoo. So yeah. uh, send a self addressed stamped envelope to T Dog's address, <laughs> and he'll write down the password to two films three curious alum the other bills voodoo account so that you can log in and watch that <laughs> uh, or just give us a call come on over <laughs> any excuse we'll, to watch this movie we'll put some back bacon it. on and yeah. and we'll, we'll keep a couple of pop beers some, cold for you pop some corn and uh it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, got it's a, whole bag, a whole bag of corn <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh i don't think we actually even know what we're going to do for the next one although next month is our anniversary so we'll probably have something fun for that but until then, uh, thank you so much to Films 3 Curious alum, the other Bill, for joining us on this a podcast, Two Films 3 Curious special with a movie that you love in the month of your birth. Thank you. I, I am thrilled to say that, that Strange Brew is a, an influential film in my life. It's a good <laughs> one to have as an influential film. Right. And it gives you the opportunity to say things like, all I got's two fives. Just because I don't At, know what it means. The most random moments in your life. Doesn't mean yeah, I'm Yeah, just lying. because I don't know what it is doesn't mean I'm lying. <laughs> or 
the classic, we're from the Department of Justice and we're here to adjust the beds. Infinitely quotable. Yes. Or, you know, just a classic two minutes for, for high sticking. So. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening and uh, keep watching movies and uh, stay, curious, stay curious. And we love you. And we love you.